0: Being financially uneducated is expensive. Many of us had to learn about money the hard way, incurring debt along the way, but it doesn't have to be that way for your child. You can give your child the knowledge they need to make wise financial decisions before they get access to easy credit. By teaching kids about money, you can help them avoid costly mistakes that lead to wasted time and money. Time and money that could be spent on building a life of wealth and abundance. You may have taught your child the foundations of personal finance, but they're going to need to be familiar with bigger concepts such as debt, borrowing, mortgages, and investing basics. If they're going to get ahead financially, it may sound advanced, but kids are hungry to understand how the world around them works. By teaching your child, these key financial concepts, you're giving them the head start in life they need. When children understand how the financial system works and how to use it to their advantage, they're able to feel confident about money and the future. And that's why I'm so excited to share today's interview with Neil Edmond, founder of Money Time, on the Homeschool Conversations podcast. A big thank you to Moneytime for sponsoring this episode. Without further ado. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology. A series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Hello, everyone. I am delighted to be joined today by Neil Edmond. Neil is a former business consultant for 20 years, and he has helped thousands of people improve their financial outcomes. Neil has three children in their late teens and early 20s and is concerned their generation is growing up with limited financial literacy, but he's decided to do something about it. Neil is the designer and author of Money Time, which has been used by over 35,000 10 to 14 year old students in the US, Australia, and New Zealand. Neil, I'm delighted to get to chat with you today.
1: Thank you, Amy. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on your show.
0: Well, here at the... the beginning, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your own personal background?
1: Yeah, no, Sure. Sure. So, uh... I'm 55 years old and i live in christchurch new zealand a uh, long way away from where you are right now uh, but it's a uh, it's a small world these days with all of the internet connectivity and that sort of thing so uh here we are christchurch uh, um, you may know was uh, pretty much leveled in a, in a major earthquake about 10 years ago we lost 80 of our of the buildings in our central business district and uh, the city is, is gradually being rebuilt, it's, uh, but it's starting to look wonderful. It's a bright new modern city and uh, we're really starting to enjoy being back in the, the modern world again, rather than kicking around in piles of rubble. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful place to live. Uh, as you said, I've got, uh, I'm married. I've got three kids. They're all at college at the moment. And so uh, Monique and my wife and I, we're empty nesters at the moment for the first year. And we're, we're kind of enjoying that. We miss the kids, but it also gives us more opportunity to do things we enjoy doing, like mountain biking and hiking and going to movies. That's uh, pretty much how I spend my life these days.
0: And what about your own background in the financial world?
1: Sure. So most of my experience in in finance is just self taught. Um, I wasn't taught when I was a kid. Um, Unfortunately, my father died when I was quite young. And uh, that certainly wasn't my mother's strength. So I learned a lot of the stuff that I know through trial and error and then uh, got to fill in the gaps through through reading books and listening to podcasts and uh, doing webinars, that sort of thing. And that's served me pretty well recently, but uh, like a lot of people, I made some big mistakes early on uh, and they're mistakes that I needn't have made. And I really didn't want my kids to be making the same mistakes. And I asked them, what are you being taught at school about financial literacy? And the answer came back, what's financial literacy? They, They just literally weren't being taught anything. So I thought, well, gee, you know, we need to do something about this. I'd, I'd had a good run with my consultancy I'd been doing it for 20 years. decided I wanted to leave a legacy and so I thought great well I'll just I'll just write a program for kids teach some financial literacy and see how that goes And four years later here we are. we're in four different countries and lots of kids using it and it's uh, yeah it's, it's been a blast.
0: I think so many parents can relate to what you're saying they, didn't have a good foundation given to them and they you know, came into adulthood, made a bunch of mistakes and they're looking back now and they're looking at their children and they're thinking, I want better for them. Like, I don't want them to have to make all those same mistakes I, I made. Like we can learn the hard way or we can learn the easier way. We want that easier way for our children. So here at the beginning, I mean, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's go big picture. Why is it important for our children to understand money and finances?
1: Why is financial literacy so important? Well, these days, <clears throat> kids are exposed to a lot of advertising and they're also subject to a lot of peer pressure, which means that they uh, they end up wanting to spend and actually spending a, a lot of their money straight up without any consideration for the the future or what that might look like. They're growing up in in an age of instant gratification. We as parents tend to want our children to have a better life than what we had. And we don't want them to have to struggle as much as we did. So we tend to give them money more freely than than perhaps we were as, as youngsters. So they have this expectation of instant gratification which means they go out and spend, but they end up developing bad spending habits. They spend beyond their means because the money's there, they believe it always will be there. <clears throat> and the consequence of that is that they end up building up debt. And that debt can take the forms of uh, credit cards when they get a bit older, personal loans, uh, after pay. And debt is a real pillar when you're starting out. When, the, when kids, or, or we're specifically talking about, uh, I guess, teenage kids here, um, but certainly and what we're trying to do is, is build good habits at this point because once they leave school, if they haven't got good habits and attitudes towards money in place by then, that's when the debt really starts to become a killer. If they're overspending, going into debt, they should be spending that time creating money building wealth doing jobs saving money and then investing it they build up their net wealth so then they're really well placed to buy a house to um, further their education to have a family buy a business you can't do those sorts of things if you're struggling to pay off debt the other thing that uh, it has a big impact on obviously is their credit scores It's going to be very hard for them, or makes it a lot harder for them to do things like buy houses or cars or businesses if if their credit score has been affected by their inability to pay off their debts. So it's really important that they have these good attitudes and behaviours early on so that they are in the mode of uh, earning to save and then saving to invest in their early 20s this is particularly important in, in this day and age with the cost of housing becoming so rampant. The cost of housing is rapidly outstripping wage growth and it's making it really difficult for young kids to get their own property. So if that's an aspiration, and, and for you know, most of us it is, then you know, we need to be putting them in a situation or they need to be in a situation where they can actually afford the collateral to buy a house, to be able to do that, they, they shouldn't be in debt, they should actually have been accumulating wealth to achieve that. So what we need to do is teach them how to earn, budget and save so that they can either um, invest in something or they can set up and, or buy a, a successful business.
0: Uh, This past weekend in the car with my kids, we were talking about, you know, a a certain circumstance and talking about how hard that would be, how long it would take to pay off the debt for that kind of purchase. Or if you were in that situation and my teen daughter spoke up and she was like, well, the easiest way is just not to get in debt in the first place. I was like, yes, I've done something right. That's exactly it. (laughs)
1: That's brilliant. Well done. And I'm a, I'm a really big fan of not letting kids have credit cards. Just if they never start with one, then they they don't ever have issues with one. You can certainly live life pretty comfortably and effectively and easily without a credit card. So if they can avoid that to start with, then they're off to a good start.
0: So I just wanted to mention to those of you who are watching the video or listening to the audio that Neil has prepared some slides and some really helpful notes. So as you're listening to our conversation, if you're driving or running or cooking dinner and you don't have time to stop right now and take notes, don't worry you'll be able to access all of this information in the show notes for this episode over at humilityanddoxology.com. So you can just listen and kind of absorb this conversation as we go. You know, the next question I wanted to ask you was as, as we're talking about young children, let's focus on, you know, sort of those beginning years as we're laying a foundation for financial literacy. What are some practical ways we can begin teaching our children to think you know, wisely about money, even when they're very
1: young? Absolutely. I'll get on to um, what you can do to teach your kids uh, in in a bit. But to answer the the question regarding uh, can we teach young children about money, the answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, I guess a, a question a lot of parents ask me is when, when is the best time to start teaching them? Is it when they start to count? Is it when they start getting uh, an allowance? Is it, w- <clears throat> excuse me, when they're about to leave school? Uh, there's, there's quite a lot of research out there, uh, from especially from universities in the States, about the learning ability of kids at various uh, times in their lives. And what they've discovered is that you know, in the ages of say three to six, they're they're just sort of starting to get going uh, with their thought processes and starting to understand how the world works so during that stage and i would think personally i would think from about five or six onwards you can start teaching them the concepts simple concepts like earning spending saving and giving and they're certainly capable of understanding that from uh, from six onwards you can start looking at the cause and effect of things uh, and some examples of this items can have a value greater or less than other items you can talk to them about uh, the, the fact that people work for money it just doesn't appear that, that it has to be earned uh, that's a lesson that kids quite often don't get uh, even when they're older and uh, you can discuss things like needs are not the same as wants and so they can understand those sort of concepts, sort of ages six to, to 10. Then around about 10 years old, they start to develop more reasoning capability. And I sort of phrase this or think of it in terms of if, then. So if I go into debt, then I have to pay it back or if I borrow money, I have to pay interest or if I do a budget, I can have money left over at the end of the week. Or if I give my details out to somebody on the internet that I shouldn't have, then there are consequences of that. So that's all, that all happens around about the age of 10. They, they understand those sorts of things. And then after 13 or so, they're they're getting a lot better at understanding long-term consequences if they do something now that's going to have an impact on them in the future And so that's that's a good time to start talking to them about investing if you put money into an investment now it's going to grow and it's going to be a lot bigger hopefully in in the future and so you can talk to them about property and shares and business so there's quite a, an age range there we we've sort of covered ages 3 through 3 through From a practical standpoint, the ages between 10 and 14 are when they start having a meaningful amount of money of their own through allowances or chores or jobs uh, or gifts from family, birthday presents, etc. So that's when they're starting to learn the the purchasing power of money, um, their ability to go out and acquire things that they want. we think that that's the best age to really be drilling down into some of the uh, uh, financial literacy concepts and, and teaching them the, the basics. They're old enough to understand, they're old enough to experience it for themselves. And we think that's the best time to be building good habits and attitudes around money.
0: That's really helpful to kind of hear those different ages and stages of how children are going to be thinking. I have five children, kind of all in each of them in one of those stages. My youngest little guy is six. And, you know, he just loves Lego. He could, he wants Lego all the time. And he's always, you know, asking for Lego. And we always have to remind him, well, like, do you have any money to buy the Lego? And he got some birthday money. And just even that process of sitting down with mom, realizing he had a finite amount and he had to choose. You know, he could only pick one thing and that lesson of when you choose to use your money in one way, you don't have it to use for something else. You know, he, he's still learning that he's still getting that, but that was a good opportunity to kind of practice that with him.
1: Sure. That's, um, it's a fun age to be teaching kids this sort of thing. And I think a lot of parents who are engaged with their kids will naturally find this comes quite naturally. Because it's just normal life, it's just real life experience. You don't have to be a financial wizard to, to teach them the basics. We all we all know them. We all have to learn them ourselves. So, and it, because it's you can relate it to everyday experiences. Um, you're going grocery shopping, to um, go and buy some clothes, or you do some on- activities that you're naturally doing anyway and so you can just develop a conversation with them just include them in the experience and they they pick up stuff they're like, they're like sponges as you know so they just pick up it up as you go along and it's, it's not actually that hard to teach them the basics from, from quite nearly.
0: Uh, Neil what are some other practical ways that we can be teaching these concepts to our children?
1: That, that's a great question I mean I, I think The first thing that uh, you should look to do, or parents should look to do, is pay your child an allowance. And I know that's uh, controversial for some people, but um, just hear me out on this. If if kids can earn money when they're younger, they, they learn the value of money, and they learn the value of work. So if they're having to do something to earn the money, they understand that that's how the world goes round. If they're just given the money, then they develop the expectation and that's what's always going to happen. The, the money will just be there if they ask. So if you can get them understanding that the value of work and the value of money early on, then I think that's a really good start. Where it gets a little bit more interesting is what you pay them for. So I break this down into chores versus jobs. Chores are things that happen on, a, on an everyday basis. The, the trash needs to be taken out, the dishes need to be washed, the laundry needs to be folded. To me, they're, they're everyday activities that need to happen for the household to function. And I personally believe that those sorts of things should be done just as a matter of course. They're part of a family, they need to contribute as part of their family, They're doing it for love. Where they can earn money is if you give them different jobs to do, and these are more one-off activities. Like they might need to um, clean out the garage, or or um, scrub the pool cover, or clean the windows, or tidy up the attic. Just something, a specific job that they can get paid for, and you can pay them on an hourly rate, and will. I'll talk about how much in a, in a minute, and that, then they so then they understand the um, ability of to, to earn money according to how much time they spend working on something, or you can just pay them a lump sum, and so they understand that okay, if I do this particular job, I'm going to get paid X amount of money. So this really helps them get into the mindset of. Uh, they can create value by putting in some effort. How much did you pay them? Well, it uh, it really boils down to how much you can afford and what sort of messages you want to send them about their earning capacity. I think a good starting point is just pay them for their age. We started off uh, when our kids were five, and so we paid them $5. Uh, when they were 10, we were paying them $10, and this is a week. I think it's really important that if you're paying your kids for, for jobs, pay them cash so that it's tangible. I know we're going heading headlong into a, a digital society, and possibly there might not be cash around in 50 years' time, but there certainly still is now. And if you pay them cash, then it's tangible. They get to see, if I do the work, this is what I get with that they are then able to decide what they're going to spend their money on and i'm a, i'm a really big fan of the, the three jars idea certainly not my idea this there's, there's plenty of other people who uh, have this this concept or this idea the three jars are spend save and give and so they can put their money into any one of those or all three of those jars I personally think it's really important that you don't decide for them what they, which jar they put their money in. So they might put it all in spend. That's fine. That's their decision. They earn the money. However, they, you, you teach them that there are consequences of that. So if they spend all their money, they don't have any money saved. So if they want something in the future, something that's going to cost more than what they've earned, in that particular week they're not going to be able to get it we want to teach them about the benefits of giving it often feels a lot better to give money away to someone else who is in a who, who needs the money more than they do the the love they can feel from do that doing that and the um, sense of uh, community um, the, the the sense of giving the that's so powerful and, and the, the, the feelings, the positive feelings they can get from that can be so much more powerful than spending money on themselves. So they need to, need to learn that if they don't uh, have money or say put away money to give to other people, they're going to be missing out on that. So you don't decide for them what they're going to spend their money on. However, you do agree who is going to pay for what. So if you're paying them an allowance, you need to decide, are you still going to be buying them ice creams when they go to the movies? Are you still going to be paying for them to go to the movies? Are you going to buy them their clothes or are they going to buy their own clothes? So it really comes back to how much you're paying them, obviously. So if you expect them to buy their clothes, then you're going to have to pay them appropriately. But it's very important that once you agree who's going to pay for what that you then don't give in when they come to you with a handout saying dad can I please have some money you go no we pay you money for your for your doing doing jobs if you want to earn more money you need to do some more work and then that's just uh, Sort of cements the concept that if you want money you have to earn it i just think that's that's really important
0: it's one of those ideas that's so simple and yet we have to be consistent and purposeful to really make it effective right with our kids i think one of my one of my children uh, this past year had a regular job and so had regular income and so i sort of made the transition where for my other kids there's sort of a set amount of money we'll spend for buying birthday presents for friends, but this year, the child who had that regular source of income coming in began purchasing her own birthday presents for her friends because, you know, that was a good kind of simple way to teach her to manage her money. Although I will say <laughs> my, my husband made the mistake one time of offering to pay them per weed We were gonna give this extra job of weeding the the natural areas. And he had this great idea, I can't remember if it was like a nickel or 10 cents a weed, which doesn't sound too much until you have five very motivated children out pulling weeds. (laughs) We had to renegotiate that down.
1: Probably went out and found you had half your garden missing.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Money Time will teach your child all the things you wish you had been taught about money. Don't miss your chance to get 25% off annual memberships of this great resource in the Money Time Summer Sale. It is definitely worth investigating for homeschool families looking for a financial literacy course for their tweens and teens. Well, we've talked a little bit already about the allowance and teaching our children to manage their money. So we can do that even when they're younger. And then they get into the teen years. You know, I have teens who I'm just seeing how close it is to the time when they're going to leave home, hopefully be fully functioning members of society, and they're going to start getting all those pesky credit card applications in the mail, and we want to set them up for success. So What are the most important financial topics they need to understand before they leave home?
1: That's a really good question, Amy, and that's one that I've had to consider uh, recently with my own kids. They've all—they're all currently, or just this year, they're all out uh, of—they're not living at home, so uh, that was very much on my mind. What sort of things do they need to know right now, now that they're starting to go out and live their own lives? Uh, as i mentioned earlier on i think teaching them about debt and the perils of debt is really really important and uh, debt can be good and uh, debt's fine if you're borrowing money to uh, acquire something of value so if you're purchasing something like a house or uh, some furniture or uh, something that has a that has value that can be sold if everything turns to custard that's fine Uh, you've got something tangible for the money or if another form of good debt is if you are investing in your future if you're in in terms of what i mean by that is if you're investing in yourself i.e getting some education that increases your ability to earn more money as time goes on so I consider that good debt what bad debt is is if you borrow money to buy stuff that then disappears so if you borrow money to go do things like go on holidays or um, buy clothes which are going to they're going to get sick of after a while or wear out if they borrow money to buy presents that's that's bad debt and so Teaching them the difference between good debt and bad debt is a really good start. And then informing them of the perils of things like afterpay and credit cards and overdrafts. Because if they're borrowing money using these, these vehicles, it's going to cost them more in the, um, in the long run. Is the purchase price and then they've got to pay the interest. And if they don't pay the interest off, It compounds. And so it just keeps going up. And that can be a real killer. The longer it takes them to pay it off, the more interest they're going to have to pay. So teach them that if they do end up getting some debt, they've got to work really hard to pay it back as fast as they can. Tell them what the consequences are of not paying it off fast. I'm a great believer of teaching my kids, pay cash. My kids don't have credit cards, so if you can't afford it, save up for it. And I've lived on that principle myself all my life. I've never bought anything on credit. I do have a credit card, but I pay it off every month. But bigger ticket items like furniture or car or whatever, I've always saved up and paid cash. Then you can teach them things uh, uh, around being smart with their money and how they how they spend it uh, just simple concepts which i imagine they should already have uh, or understand by the time they're, they're getting ready to leave school but uh, things like you don't have to pay full price for something you can buy it when it's on sale uh, you if you shop online often you can get a better deal and if you walk into a store uh, you can buy things second hand a good example i'm a mountain biker and i buy a lot of stuff of my stuff online my bikes uh, my clothes uh, my shoes it's it's incredible what you can find online people who bought the wrong size or they don't like the color or they get injured or whatever and so they have to sell their gear uh, you can buy some really good stuff at a fraction of the price than if you'd paid new so a really simple thing that you can do, uh, perhaps even, you know, well, before they're teenagers, is, is take them shopping, take them grocery shopping with you, and then just think out aloud, you know, if I buy these beans, they, they, that's gonna cost me 50 cents more than these beans, what's the trade-off? Why, why is the first can of beans 50 cents more? Is it gonna, am I gonna get 50 cents more enjoyment out of this or satisfaction? well maybe maybe not but there's a there's a trade-off that whole cost value exercise but if you're thinking out loud as you're making a purchase decision then that helps the child start developing that sort of um, reasoning and decision making themselves you have to take a deep breath especially if you're taking more than one child uh, it can get a bit get be a bit messy if you're taking a, a bunch of um, young kids shopping but uh, maybe take your partner with you (laughs) for support (laughs) Uh, so another good thing you can teach them is uh, how much collateral they're going to need to buy a house so i I think it's really important that you talk to kids in about real the real value of things so in the future if you want to buy a house you're going to have to put you may have to put you know a hundred thousand dollars down as collateral and they're going to look at you and go that's just obscene how on earth am i going to get a hundred thousand dollars well you're going to have to earn it and you're going to have to and save it okay um, is that even possible and the answer is yes of course it's possible you just have to have a plan and okay if i earn x amount a week i'm going to put this amount aside if i do that for x number of years i can get to a hundred thousand so it's uh, teaching them that big value purchases are possible if they have a plan and if they have an understanding of the real value of things that's going to make the plan a lot more realistic uh, for them I, I don't believe in Trying to hide from them the real value of things. Uh, um, I actually sat down with my son when he left uh, left home, and we went through a life budget. Say, so, well, if you want to buy a house, this is how much collateral you're going to need. If you want to have a family, a prop, this is approximately how much it's going to cost you to um, per child uh, um, over a period of time you know, per year, and then entirety um if you want to go and travel around Europe for three months backpacking this is how much it's going to cost and these are all sort of back of the envelope calculations they don't have to be you know down to the cent, but it just gives them a good sense of well gee you know I shouldn't be mucking around now with my money if I if I want to do these sort of things when I'm a bit older I'm going to have to knuckle down and earn some money and I think that was quite a, a really helpful lesson for him because he was not really in that space. He was just having a good time. Young fellow, first year out of school, first year away from home, uh, having a wonderful time and <laughs> not really thinking too much ahead into the future. And so we, we sat down and did that exercise with him. And, uh, he was so grateful for that because he could just see if he carried on at what he was doing, he was going to, get to, into his mid to late 20s and he would have nothing to show for uh, then and that was going to take him a lot longer to get to where he wanted to be.
0: That is really helpful. I'm glad you were able to have that conversation with him. I think, you know, we can probably look back at ourselves, and make you know, being thoughtless and or not, you know, not irresponsible on purpose, but just not thinking of those long term ideas. And so, to be able to sit down and and kind of help and mentor our our own children in that way is is such a powerful gift we can give them.
1: It, it sure is. I've got another one more thing, Amy. Um, if they're leaving home. I think it's really important that they understand how to put a resume together and and how the job application process works i.e how to write a cover letter because that's gonna the job they get is it has a big influence over their earning ability and so if they can write a good resume and they can write a good cover letter they're much more likely to get a good job that pays that pays well uh, or pays better than, than a not so good job. So just understanding that simple process of, of resume and job application can, can make a big difference too.
0: Yeah, and I could see that being something we forget about because we're just sort of thinking about like the cost of things and we forget the other side of the financial equation is upping your income and learning how to do a resume, apply for a job, that kind of thing is going to be a really important uh, important tool for them to have as well. You know, I know that a lot of parents feel really inadequate in this area, maybe because they feel like, well, I don't really know what I'm talking about, or I've made a lot of mistakes, or I was never taught. So, or maybe for whatever reason, like talking about money feels awkward to them. Um, I don't really feel awkward talking about most things. I love to talk. So (laughs) that hasn't been an issue with my kids and me, but um, I know that can be. I've talked to parents for whom that is just really awkward. So what are some tips you would give for parents who either feel awkward or inadequate?
1: Sure, um, I'll just uh, touch on some of the reasons why parents do feel uh, awkward about talking about money because this is something that most parents experience and I just want to let them know that it's quite That's normal. It's, <laughs> it's very prevalent. Uh, they're certainly not alone. Uh, because most parents had to learn about money through trial and error, uh, we weren't taught about it when we were kids. We've had to learn the hard way. Um, we've all made mistakes, and we're 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 afraid to appear foolish in front of our kids. You know, they're expecting us to have our act together, and you know, within a couple of years, we'll all have enough money to go on SpaceX flights and or at least by the the latest pair of Air Jordans and so they're looking at us thinking well why you know why aren't we doing that you know if you'd had your act together then we would have been able to do this and you sort of have to admit well you know we made some decisions early on that we perhaps weren't quite so good decisions or we didn't do things that we could have so we're just afraid that we're going to appear foolish uh, we're also afraid that we're not, we're not going to be giving the best advice. We're not sure that we have all the correct answers. Uh, often we're embarrassed to admit that we don't have all the answers. Uh, sometimes we think we don't know enough to be able to teach it properly. And then, and then to cap it all off, there's this nagging doubt that they're going to listen to us anyway. Yes. <laughs> so, so you know, there's there's a whole myriad of reasons why why. Parents or some many parents find it hard to talk to about money to their kids. So just want to say, don't worry about that. You are absolutely not alone. It's quite normal, uh, but in actual fact, it's not that hard. And uh, so here are some some conversations or things that you can have or do to to teach your kids about money. Just just simply have conversations with them about money. Um, Admit that you've made mistakes. Talk about some of your mistakes. I mean, why let or have them go through the same experience to learn the same lesson? Why not share with them your mistakes? I have. Uh, uh, we've had full ownership of our house for uh, gee, you know, fifteen years. But we've never done anything with the equity in the house we could have gone off and borrowed money and bought another house but we didn't if we'd done that 15 years ago we could have had three houses by now, three investment properties but i didn't do that i didn't know i didn't know how to do that i didn't think i could i just thought that was something that other people did uh, so that was a mistake that i've made um, i've had to admit to my kids that i don't have all the answers Uh, I have learned an awful lot uh, through the process of creating money time. I've learned a lot about uh, money management and personal finance stuff that I didn't know before. But I have to admit to my kids, you know, before I did money time, I didn't know much more than they did. So the first thing I think you can do is just make it fun. Uh, You know, games like Monopoly or Risk. It's very non threatening. It's just a fun game, but maybe you can start introducing them to principles like mortgages and debt and property, um, earning money. Uh, you can buy them books you know, like Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Kid, Smart Kid. It's a great start. It's just a really good, simple, easy to use, read book. Um, over here in uh, New Zealand and Australia, um, there's The Barefoot Investor. There's a book called The Barefoot Investor for Families, which I think is excellent. It's written by Scott Pape. He's a, an Aussie with a, a great sense of humour, really down to earth advice. It's a fun read. Uh, I read it cover to cover in, in, uh, in a day. It's an easy read, but just really good practical advice on, on how kids can manage their money. You can encourage them to do um, online courses. Uh, you can do online courses yourself. But, you know, there's all sorts of courses you can find on the internet these days. If you just search you know, um, financial literacy or teach or learn financial literacy, there's an abundance of, of courses and podcasts you can access. Um, I think uh, on a, from a day-to-day or practical perspective, uh, share your financial decision-making with them. So if it's, you know, end of the month and it's time to pay the bills, get them to sit down with you and go through the process with them and say, well, look, this is how much our utilities are. This is how much it is for the gas. This is how much it is for the power. This is how much it is for a property tax. And they go, oh, gee, you know, really? We pay for that? What, What does that money go for? You know, what is property tax? Why do we pay that? What does what what the, the council or the government do with that money? So it's just simple uh, sort of day-to-day financial decisions. If you include them in on those, then it becomes part of the norm. Uh, so it's not a scary concept. It's actually this is just how life works. And then um, finally, and possibly the easiest thing you could do, is buy them a license for money
0: time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell us a little bit about Money Time. You know, I, we've heard about why you created it, but how is it set up and um, what makes Money Time unique?
1: Sure. Thank you. So um, I've, I've spent the last uh, four years of my life um, developing and writing and promoting this program. It's an, an online program. It's web-based. Uh, it's 100% self-directed which means that the child can go through the whole program without any assistance from a parent. It's specifically designed for 10 to 14 year olds. I mentioned earlier, this is the time that we think it's most important to build good habits and ideas around money. So that's the age group that we've targeted. So it's very age appropriate. All the examples in the program are specifically targeted at 10 to 14 year olds. So they're situations that a 10 to 14 year old can relate to. Because it's all self-taught, it doesn't require the parent to have all the answers. Parent can be involved as much as they like. We have some module guides that we provide with the program that the parent and the child can work through together with, if you want. Uh, You can be involved uh, in the process as much as you want to be. But if you don't want to be, you're not sure what you should be telling them just let the program do it for the, for you it's uh, very comprehensive starts off from how you earn money you can put into a bank and an interest uh, once you're earning money you should be thinking about and um, doing a budget so that you if you spend less than what you earn in a week you have money aside that you can save and then We talk about how to make good purchase decisions talk about different ways of banking and paying for things Uh, we then get into what they can do with their money once they've saved it and that gets into we talk about buying property the the process for buying property what it's going to cost them we talk about collateral and uh, sorry um, down payments and we talk about interest and paying off mortgages we go into, uh, then we go into investing. It's another thing they can do with their money to, to, to grow their money. They can put it into CDs or they can uh, invest it in stocks or they can uh, invest it in a business. We talk about the different rates of return for each of those investments and the risk involved with those. It sounds like it might be sort of perhaps over the head of say a 10 year old and but what i've done is sat down and and assumed that they have zero knowledge to start with and so i've explained it in really simple terms what these things are and what it means and it's amazing how much the kids absorb this information and and they are able to understand it we do regular testing throughout the program and on average students gain a 43 percent increase in knowledge across the whole program so we know that we've 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 nailed it in terms of age appropriateness and putting things in a way that the, the kids can understand So two of the two of the key principles or ideas that we promote within the program are that having money is a good thing a lot of people or some people have uh, have issues around uh, wealth and uh, for some it has negative connotations having too much money or having lots of money well we don't agree with that we think that having money is a good thing because it gives you choices choices to do things for yourself uh, for your family uh, for your community and for your church so if you have money then you have options You have opportunities to to do good things with it. Secondly, we teach them the basic principle that you budget to save and then you save to invest. That's the approach that everybody should be taking with their money if they want to improve their net wealth. And in the program, we show them how they do that, how they can do that. It's really simple. It's also a lot of fun. Because we've gamified it. It's not just a bunch of lessons. It's we've gamified it. So they they have an avatar. They can go shopping for their avatar in different shops. The shops unlock as they go up through the levels, different levels of the program. They can donate money to charity and they can win generosity medals for doing that. They can transfer their money into a savings account and an interest or they can invest it. And there's half a dozen investments that unlock as they go up through the program. They can invest in their education and get a better paying job. They can invest in CDs, stocks, property, and collectibles. These are things like antiques. Uh, we just threw that, threw that in for a bit of fun. So, what we're giving them is an opportunity to make financial decisions and see what the consequences of those decisions are in a fun way. So at the end of the lesson, they've earned some money from doing the quiz. They then get to decide what they're going to do with the money. Are they going to spend it? Are they going to save it? Are they going to invest it? Are they going to give some money away? So these are the decisions they're going to be having to make as an adult or as soon as they have any really real meaningful money of their own. These are the decisions that they're going to have to be making. And so we're giving them this opportunity to make the decisions now within a game in a safe environment where there's no penalty for failure other than their sibling looking over the shoulder and going, oh, you're Wally, what did you put your money in that for? You know, <laughs> I put my money in this and look at my net wealth now. So that's, that's the, the sort of the, the key approach that we've taken is if by gamification we're, we're giving them a, some experiential learning and the kids love it and um, like you mentioned right at the beginning the the program's been done by thirty five thousand kids now and um, we have really great feedback from parents and from teachers and schools they love using the program because it is self-taught it takes the pressure off them and um yeah, so we're just absolutely delighted with with how it's going and the, and the results it's getting.
0: Well, I think that money time would definitely be such a great part of a homeschool family's weekly schedule. I got a chance to to look at it and do some of the first lessons, kind of looking over my 10-year-old daughter's shoulders. And one of the things I really loved about it was that it started so simply so that even you know, when she took the, there was like a pre-test kind of to see what you knew already and what you didn't know. And, um, you know, seeing things like, oh, I guess I thought you knew that, but, you know, I guess you didn't. But to, from the very beginning, you know, easing you in, but then the later lessons are talking about like important things. Not It doesn't just stay kind of at a low child level. Like I felt like it was going to give some real depth to, to the lessons. And then I also really appreciated that perspective on money as being something that gives you choices, that gives you freedom. It's not just about like accumulation so you can go buy stuff or um, it's really about that freedom that it gives you to to choose things about your time, uh, to choose the way you spend and give and save and all those things. I think that's a really just a good foundational perspective to have. And I don't know, I think parents might find themselves learning a lot too as they as they watch their kids.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure they do. In fact, a lot of parents have said to me, gee, can I do it? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, of course they can. That's great. It's interesting the, the, the thing about starting right at the very beginning, assuming that the kids don't know anything. When I first wrote the first, three modules I tested them out on, on some kids at a school and I was really surprised th- at how little they knew like I assumed that they knew they'd know the difference between a checking account and a savings account I assumed that they'd know what interest was no they don't they didn't these were 10 year olds they didn't know so I thought oh you know I'd spent three months writing these three lessons because I was figuring out how to structure it all I had to go back and rewrite them. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, but that paid dividends because I could see then from my testing from then on, I sat with, I did 121 one on one sessions with kids in the school, half an hour each, going through the program, seeing what they enjoyed, seeing what they understood, watching their body language. Did they get onto a screen and start scratching their head, or did they smile, or did they laugh? Did they, uh, know immediately what to do next so i got a really good appreciation of how well the kids were understanding and enjoying the program and so that's that's born fruit because we get such great feedback from the kids they love doing it it's fun most i get a lot of teachers from schools saying money time is their favorite thing that they do in the week She said that they go i, I can't I have to swap them away. No, we're not doing money time right now. We've got something else to do, but you can do it later on, uh, it, which is just such a good feeling for me, ha- having invested so much of my own time into putting it together, to know that it's having that sort of impact on, on kids. It's just it's very heartwarming.
0: Yeah, and it's screen time that the parents don't have to feel guilty about because it's actually an investment in their children's future.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: If anyone is listening within the first couple months of this podcast episode publishing, I did want to let you know that Money Time is running a 25% off discount on their annual membership uh, through the end of October. So I will have the link so that you can access that in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Neil, this has been such a delightful conversation. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Here at the end, I'm going to ask you the question I've been asking all of my guests this uh, this season, and that is just, "What are you personally reading lately?"
1: <laughs> well, uh, I Amy, mean, I'm reading a book called *The Dice Man* by L- Luke Reinhardt, and it's a book about a an American psychiatrist who's in his forties and he's bored with life, and he decides to spice it up by throwing a dice every time he has to make a decision. And that leads to some really interesting consequences because he doesn't hold back on the sort of things that he's going to decide about. And he, it's, it's kind of like he's spiraling down into madness with this, but he also seems very lucid at the same time with his rationalizing. He, he, it's in first person and you sort of follow him on this journey is he quietly going insane or is this just a very rational experiment that he is taking to the extreme it's a fascinating book it's extraordinarily well written it sounds like it would
0: make you ask a lot of deep questions and kind of twist your mind up a little
1: it really does it has you starting to wonder about some of the conventions that we live with in the norms and the expectations that society puts on us if you if you shared all of those how would your life be as uh, it's so it does ask some quite probing questions or you find yourself asking yourself some pretty probing questions what would i do would i be prepared to do that no. the answer is no in most cases <laughs> <laughs> yes seriously
0: i was gonna say I don't know. I'd have to be in a real healthy uh, real healthy mentally state to read a book like that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Neil, thank you so much. Um, those who are listening or watching, be sure to check out the show notes where I will have links to the things that Neil and I have chatted about. Um, you can find all of the links as well as the slides that Neil prepared over in the show notes as well at humilityanddoxology.com. Thanks, Neil. Have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Thank you, Amy. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityandoxologycom slash homeschool-conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, Would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share it with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.